0: I want to share with you a a brief uh, introduction to the scripture today before it really reads it. It's found in Proverbs 22, which is probably, again, not some of the scripture you've been heavily reading lately. Uh, Proverbs is a part of the kind of literature in the Old Testament, and some of it appears in the New Testament, it's called wisdom literature. That's to say, it's a, it's a compiling of the saints and teachings of the wisdom that had been collected by the people of God over generations. And by the time Proverbs was written, most of these things have been existing for centuries, and they're finally written down. So when you're reading Proverbs, it isn't the kind of book where you start at chapter one and follow a storyline all the way through. In fact, in Proverbs, there are sentences or a couple sentences that hang together that are trying to teach a basic truth. Think about it this way. Think about a a grandfather or a father or a mother or a grandmother trying to teach simple truths of wisdom to their children. Because really what this is, and so they'll say simple lines that speak truth. And so when you read Proverbs, in any of the chapters, you sort of have to take on the mindset you're reading a whole bunch of fortune cookies all put together. Now, the difference is between this and fortune cookies is these are real truths. I mean, these things actually are found in the experience of the people of God as to what they've come to discover makes a difference in their life. It seems, as far as they can understand, it seems to matter to God. So I want you to hear, as as I reads to you from chapter 22, these Proverbs that have a message for us today. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, and favor is better than silver or gold. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. Whoever sows injustice will reap calamity and the rod of anger will fall. Those who are generous are blessed, for they share their bread with the poor. Do not rob the poor because they are poor, or crush the afflicted at the gate. For the Lord pleads their cause and despoils of life those who despoil them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We come seeking truth, sometimes even truth that exposes us, but always truth that redeems us and that gives us hope. So, God, we ask you to bless us today with all the words that we speak, both in this moment of reflection and in the conversations throughout the day and all the ways in which we communicate. May our truth be your truth. Flow through me now so that by your grace my words may get close to what you need us to hear. We pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. So who have you visited within this past week because they are poor? Who are you visiting and where are you visiting on a regular basis with the purpose of intentionally being in relationship with the poor? This past summer, some of you know that Took in and sent a vacation with my lovely bride. We went over to Switzerland to see our family over there. And we took five days to go to London with our daughter. Uh, Yeah, I know it was really rough being me for a little while this summer. And while we were there that entire time in Europe, I spent a lot of time diving deeper into reading about my spiritual hero, John Wesley as I was reading John Wesley, who has been my spiritual mentor from a previous century since I was about 22, I reconnected and discovered for the first time some things about Wesley that were really important to me. When I first read him, I mean seriously read him in my early 20s, it was in reading him that faith began to make sense to me. I was always a part of the church. Most of you know my story I was raised in the church. But like John Wesley, I was raised in the church without a really significant relationship with the living God. I, mean, I sort of acknowledged that God was there, sort of tried to do the right things. But by no means would anybody would accuse me of being in love with God. But when I was 22, 21, 22, I, I started reading Wesley in a way that was impacting in my life because the way John Wesley talked about it, he said, The relationship we have with God is fundamentally built upon grace. It is God's unconditional love that is poured out upon us that makes this relationship between God and me and God and we possible. It isn't by my being the right person and and doing the right things and earning that relationship as if somehow God is this God who, who only takes care of me and loves me when I'm a good boy but rather this God who loves me so much he loves me before he even knew that God existed, and this God loves me knowing every, everything about me, all the truth about me. I mean, all the truth, not even the truth I do not want to tell you. I don't want to even confess to myself, even knowing that this God loves me. because of that, I'm able to have this loving relationship with God, and it doesn't matter where I came from, it doesn't matter what I've been doing, it doesn't matter who I am or what other people think of me, that grace is for me. That's for you, and that that spoke to my heart. So for me, John Wesley is my spiritual mentor, not just because he was the founder of the movement that we now are part of when we call ourselves the United Methodist Church. I'm not indebted to him just because long ago he just thought up something that gave me a job to do, but rather gave me a faith to put a vibrancy in my life. But when John Wesley was living as an Anglican priest, he was part of a church by and large, has lost its sense of relevance in the world. It was a church that was pretty apathetic, pretty passive, pretty status quo. And when he started to gather some colleagues of his, some friends of his, some students, from the college he was attending, said, you know, there's got to be a better way. They started to do some things that you would expect people to do when they want to get closer to God. They began to read the Bible with greater passion and regularity. They began to engage in prayer consistently. They began to ask each other deeper questions, being willing to get into each other's personal life because, you know, when you really love somebody, you can ask them the questions. I can ask Kyle some things. I can say some things to Kyle because between Kyle and I, we can't have a relationship. We don't have a relationship. Well, you can't ask me that. But one of the things he also said to these people who want to grow closer to God, one of the things he started to have them do from the very beginning, remember, these are college students. They don't have anything. Every time they meet, they took up a collection. And the collection was to go not to themselves and not to their own interests, but 100% to help care for somebody who was needy somebody who was poor. And it wasn't long after that, that Wesley began by his own practice and teaching, saying to the folks who want to be Methodists with him, you need to go visit. You need to get out of your room, out of your routine, and go across the street, across the town, and find somebody who is poor and spend time with them. When you do that, you're following the practice of what we understand it is to become a person of deeper faith in God and in Jesus Christ. I read that. I began to think about Wesley's emphasis on that, and I thought to myself, this is probably a truth you've not heard. Am I right? I mean, no. I'm, I'm really asking you, see, it's okay to act like you're alive. Did anyone ever tell you that to be a part of this church, you have to go visit the poor? Anybody up there in the cheap seats? Okay. Oh, they got the best seats in the house. You know they do. You all want to be dumping people. Come on, give it up. See, Wesley said to everyone who came into the early society, this is what you're going to do. Why? Wesley very simply believed that if we're going to live the life of Christ, we need to represent the kinds of things that Christ did. Think about it. Obviously, Jesus knew the scriptures. Throughout his preaching and teaching and conversations, he continually referred to the scriptures that he knew of his day. Obviously, Jesus prayed. We have all kinds of evidence of that. But who did Jesus go spend his time with? He went, he went to the wealthy and the country clubs and hung out with the, with the people who are well-to-do all the time, right? No, you know better. He went to the sick. He went to the broken physically, relationally. He went to those who are poor. In fact, is it not true that we celebrate the fact that Jesus himself, by God's intention, came into the world, what, as a poor person? Aren't you thrilled that he was born in a manger? I mean, some of the great tunes you get to sing every year, we celebrate that. And he spent the rest of his life not entirely and exclusively focused on people who were poor. And, but he was not at all slow to spend time with the poor. It seemed to actually rather have a good time. Always trying to engage into an authentic relationship. Maybe this shouldn't surprise us, because God has always had a heart for the poor. The proverbs that I had Julie read today are only a smattering of the proverbs that talk about the fact that from the very beginning, God has had a heart for the poor, and teaches us our wisdom saying is: "You are a wise person if you spend time with the poor." There are over two hundred, and well over two hundred says in the Old Testament there are specific directions by God for how the people of God are to be in relationship with the poor and making provisions for the poor. The entire legal system of Israel had within its very central part of conduct that you were to continually to make a place for the poor in the world. Such that if you were a farmer, and it was an agricultural society by and large by that time, when you gleaned the fields... You always left a portion the field unharvested so the poor would have a place to go get food, matter of law. God's always had a heart for the poor. Jesus had a heart for the poor. John Wesley said, so if we're going to be the people of God in the day to day, then we need to also have a heart for the poor. And a heart for the poor means not that we give, he started off with that, right? He took a collection. Then he realized, that's not enough. We need to be in relationship. And so they began to visit with others, with intentionality to build relationship with others and to walk with them. I want to be real clear. Wesley was not at all saying the poor exists so that us righteous ones will have some work to do. The poor do not exist for our benefit. We do not go to the poor because aren't they lucky to have us in their midst? Wesley believed and reflected the simple truth of Jesus that when you have God in your heart and when you're trying to live a gospel faith, we must fight the urge simply to want to be with other people like ourselves and always reach out with unconditional love, tangible acts of grace to be in relationship with people who are not like us. And when we do that, they, we, me grow in my understanding of the world and, and how other people see God, and, and I'm enriched and they're enriched, and together the body of Christ grows. It's not our natural inclination. I like Hal. Hal's old like I am. So we can talk about things, you know. TV shows we used to watch as kids. But you know what Hal and I talked about when we sit together? We talk fishing. So I come to church. I'm excited to see how because he was fishing this week on the south branch of the Isabel River. That's where God really exists. And so... So we were talking the liturgical truth today, and he's talking to me about trichos and dust bunnies. And most of you don't even know what they are, but I get excited about trichos in August. Because they're catching fish, and I want after worship service all the rest of you to leave so we can talk about fishing. Okay, Chris, you can come too, because I know you know what a trico is too. But isn't that what church often is? Throughout centuries, what happens in church? Well, we come because we want to come to know and love God, and so we do. And in so coming to know and love God, we begin to know and love other people who are loving God and helping us grow in our faith. Those people become very special to us. So what's natural? When you come to church, you want to go be with people we have a relationship with and common interests with and things to talk about, and we have this relationship with each other. But not as much with him or her. We begin to lose sight of the fact that the reason the people of God gather together is to be able to offer acts of tangible grace so that whenever we are together as a family of faith, whenever we are looking to take our next step in spiritual growth, we're called to go be with people who are different than us. Now, I want to say a word about this. Who are the poor? I want to be honest with you. My tendency of the poor the folks who don't have money. But days of my life, I didn't have to go visit the poor. I just shaved. And I can look at one. But the poor is not limited to those who don't have money. The poor are those who are lacking resources, whatever those resources might be. So, the resources of money, you're going to be poor. The resources of health, if you're lacking that, you experience a sense of poverty. The resources of a community around you of support, of friends, of family, and in this transient society, all manner of people are very poor looking. Or relationship with others. You can be poor not being able to speak the language very well in the community in which you live. You can be poor because you don't understand how a particular community or organization works And you're left on the outside. All manner of things can make you poor. So when I ask you, who are you visiting, I'm not just asking those of you who have money today, to go find people in the community who don't have money today, I'm asking you to look across the aisle and across the street and across the driveway and across the neighborhood and across the village and the city and the county and the community and the state and the nation and the world and say, who are the poor around me? Some of them are extremely wealthy and broken. Some of them are people who come from a culture I don't understand, and I would be blessed if I got to know. The church of Jesus Christ, when it's thriving, the Methodist church, when it has been at its best in the world, has always been, and we've been focused on being in relationship with people who are lacking resources. I love this. I, I was reading Wesley this week. Actually, a couple weeks ago. And he got into this conversation with a woman called Miss J.C. March. And Miss J.C. March was a woman of wealth and education. She also was a woman who wanted to grow in her spirituality, in her relationship with Jesus Christ. And so she was hungering to become a Methodist. But they wrote this correspondence relationship with she and John Wesley back and forth to each other. And she said this in a letter. I love this. Writing to Wesley, she admits that she is struggling with the fact. I want you to listen carefully now. She struggled with the fact that affiliating with the Methodists put her in connection with so many who were of lower character or unrefined. I mean, come on. Wesley said, well, I think that's exactly the point. She objected, saying that Christians should associate with people of good taste and character, and to that, Wesley responded, I found some of the uneducated poor to have exquisite taste and sentiment, and many, many of the very rich who have scarcely any at all. Both the poor and the rich have souls, and many of the poor have faith and love of God in a larger measure than any persons that I know. Do not confine your conversation to the genteel and elegant people. I cannot discover precedence for it in the life of Jesus Christ or any of his apostles. She wanted this relationship with Christ. She just wanted it not to be messy. We can mock her or we can confess the fact we are her. We struggle. It's not easy to break across the lines, to take the step across the street, to stop on the sidewalk and talk with that person, or go where we normally wouldn't go, except for the Christ is leading us. But that's why Jesus went. Because of his amazing love, his grace, tangible, not talked about. can't say I love you if I don't get to know you. can't say I care about you if I don't know your story and I'm not willing to share mine. You've heard a little bit about the getting ahead class. Getting ahead class is a class which fundamentally is an offering of the ministry of the church where we are intentionally seeking to be in relationship with people who are poor. We do so by looking at who we've been in ministry with who's come to us to ask for assistance. Did you notice that in the the bulletin it talks about that our pastor's assistance fund is low? You know why it's low? Because you're loving and caring for people who are having shutoffs and being forced with eviction and who have other kinds of needs and they come to the church trusting that maybe we are the kinds of people who act like Jesus did. And out of that long list... Mary helped pull together some folks and said, you know, we'd love to talk with you, to learn from you, to enter into a relationship with you in this class called Getting Ahead. So she's gotten some families together and she's gotten some of our congregation together and as a combined group, they've spent how many weeks? 16 weeks together getting to know each other and learning about each other's story. And in that, what has happened is this amazing Jolly of people who normally don't hang out with each other. They've become very close to each other. They care about each other. And they discover truths about how to live their life more fully. And not long ago, a couple of nights ago, a couple of weeks ago, one of the members of the class made a statement that was a wonderful summary of what has happened to her in this class. She says this way. She's talking about her experience. She said this simple truth. After being in this class and up to this point, here's my truth. I'm just as damn poor as I used to be, but now I have resources. Did you hear me? Church didn't give her well. of the class, because of her willingness to be invested, because of others' willingness to be invested, she knows resources, which means that she knows about things, about how to function and operate in the community in a way that's healthier and more effective in her life. She also has made a group of friends who know her and care about her. And I want to tell you, this is what Wesley came to say, maybe the thing the church has to give to the poor more than anything else that matters is what all of us need, the opportunity to worship a loving God and to be among people who have been touched by tangible grace. So I ask you again, who have you visited who are you reaching out to be in regular relationship with who is poor and lacking the resources of the fullness and abundant life Jesus promises? We could hope they would call us the unrefined and undignified church. Maybe we could just hope that all manners of people would come to say they're the ones who love us with tangible grace. God